This is the Mindvox podcast hosted by Claire Jacobs and Catherine Matlock. Mindvox is a space to talk about our minds and mental health, so we cover topics that can be of a sensitive or triggering nature. We will always highlight the topics we cover in the show notes of each episode's description. Please note, we're not medical experts, we're only experts of our own mental health experiences. To find out more about the pod, visit mindvox.co.uk or at mindvoxpod on Instagram, Facebook and Twitter. Hi, Catherine, you're right. Hello, Claire. Hi. We have got someone special on the show today. Oh, show, I'll call it show. I think I'm famous now. Um, it's Tanya Swarbrick. <laughs> Tanya Swarbrick is a trauma-informed emotional health coach and breathwork facilitator. And she's actually been working with me recently, which is why I asked her to come on, because I think she's brilliant. Um, so hi, Tanya. Hello, everybody. Are you? Are you okay? Yes, I'm well, thank you. I've already been out in the in the sunshine walking the dog. Oh, my brilliant. favorite thing. Brilliant. And I suppose we could start off with what asking you, what do you do? What is a trauma-informed emotional health coach and a breathwork facilitator? Well, my journey to those sort of job titles started when I was a teenager and was dieting all the time and trying to force my body into being, you know, what everybody considered beautiful or attractive. Um, after 30 years of losing weight, gaining weight, losing weight, gaining weight, I decided it was about time I got off the roller coaster. So I studied with, um, <clears throat> with an American lady um, who had a program called Beating Binge Eating Blueprint. Um, and after completing all of that training with her, um, I had such dramatic steps in dealing with my own binge eating that she asked me to work for her as a mentor. So after two years of working for her, um, I wanted to do more. In order to do more, you've got to be more. And in order to be more means studying. So I asked her what course to do. She gave me two options. I picked the easy one. She told me to do the hard one. Love her dearly. Now, now I've completed this, this training, um, which was uh, run by Sam Skelly. Um, I have now this, this fully certified trauma-informed coach badge and trauma-informed breathwork facilitator um, qualifications. The emotional health part of it is that I firmly believe that eating disorders, anxiety, depression, all that kind of stuff is not caused by what people think it's caused by, i.e. the food. Binge eating disorder, anorexia, all of that stuff has got nothing to do with food. The food is being used by the individual to control their environment, to either in, um, mask past trauma or handle current trauma. One thing I'd like to say about trauma in particular is that trauma is not what happened to you. It's how you react inwardly to what happens to you. So quick example. Six lads, all soldiers, in a Land Rover, driving along the road. Land Rover gets blown up. Let's assume that none of them have any life-altering injuries. All but one of them is married. That one that is not married doesn't have that personal connection to another individual to share that trauma with and is much more likely to deal with post-traumatic stress because they don't have 
that opportunity to process it. So that's why I have added the trauma-informed module to my coaching you know, um, box of tricks. Well, they're not tricks, really. Toolbox. To my toolbox. Um, in order to be a better support and a better guide to those people who are holding trauma within their bodies. A lot to unpick there. This is my Claire has has had sessions with you, from what I understand, and it's this is something so new to me. And I imagine it's something that's going to be so new to a lot of our listeners as well. It's really really interesting because I don't know um, how much you know about me. I don't know if you've had a chance to listen to me about pods or Claire's mentioned. But I've got PTSD. And something I read recently, and it's just kind of sat with me a little bit, and I, I, don't even, I don't even know that I've fully formed an opinion on it yet. And actually, you may have come across it. There was a therapist on TikTok who received, like, worldwide criticism because she basically did a funny skit on TikTok criticising her patients. She's a trauma therapist criticising her patients for something which she called trauma dumping. And I, it was the first time I'd heard of trauma dumping, so I did a little read about it. And it's basically like telling someone all of your trauma all in one go. And then I started thinking, well, do I do this? Am I guilty of this? Oh, my goodness. Um, and that kind of linked in when you mentioned the, the soldiers and them being in kind of long-term committed relationships where they've got that dynamic where they can talk to another person. The criticism, I think, was on the effect that that has on the other person. And it, that really made me think. And that's what came up for me just then when you were talking. I don't know if you've heard of that or, or what, your, what your views are on that, really. Well, I've not heard of it as, you know, a, a self-contained concept, though the way you explain it is um, it's, it's easy to get my head round. The thing is, when you are, when you're trained to deal with this kind of stuff as the as the recipient of the of the dump as you as you call it um there's a degree of sovereignty you know i am me you are you what you are describing to me is your you-ness it doesn't become my meanness because of the training that i've had i can understand why a a therapist or a coach or a mentor who is not trained in the way that i'm trained could take it on you know could find your story upsetting to them or triggering to them but the way i've been trained is to create that sovereignty and that space between the two of us for you to expand into without it overtaking me energetically yeah, so, so you can support people. Yeah, yeah. And you and you need there's a there's different degrees of you know of trauma training. There's things like trauma aware, where you can recognize trauma. There's um, but leading right to, right through to trauma informed. Trauma informed means that not only can I recognize that trauma, but I can support and empower you in your journey to recovering from that trauma. Because the trauma is not, you know, um, a point in time where something happened to you. It's how you react to it, how you hold on to it. And and PTSD is exactly what it says. It's post-traumatic stress. So it's not, it's not the trauma stress. It's the post-trauma. It's how you're holding it, how you're keeping it within your life. Mm-hmm. And... In most occasions, in my personal experience, the way that someone with PTSD would carry that in their life is in their body. Yeah? They don't carry it in their mind. They'll be triggered to thinking about it. 
but that reaction, that contraction, that stressful that is held within you. Mm-hmm. And only when someone pokes it with a stick, do you maybe start thinking about yeah, such a brilliant summary. Our last couple, of, we've done a, a two-parter on PTSD and Claire asked me in the first one, the main sort of symptoms of it. And I said, I can't, it's not like I constantly think about what happened. It's like I am constantly in fight or flight mode and there's a completely unrelated thing, like a little bit of drama online will have me reacting and feeling panicked, tearful, something that, I mean, I was a police officer, I was in the police for 13 years and a police officer for 11 of them. I could have dealt with so much. And now a little post-trauma, a little uh, hurtful incident that happens to me, it sets off the same reaction as if, as a a huge trauma because because of the PTSD. And so everything you've said then resonates so much and you, you've really summed up better than when Claire asked me um, I think because you sit outside of it probably and you you can really sum up what's going on with with me whereas I can't I can just say well I know that I feel like I'm going to cry and I feel really panicky I'm not safe when something tiny happens now and that's that's not even related to the, tra- the, the traumatic things yeah. it's the reaction yeah. in me and it's the constant exhausting feeling of my amygdala firing constantly at the littlest things mm-hmm. Well, if you were to do coaching with me, we wouldn't just, you know, explore the thing that happened and try to and try to get you to put it in the past. That's that's not how coaching works. That's kind of how therapy works. This probably sounds like a, a good opportunity to explain the difference between therapy and coaching. If you were to go to a therapist with PTSD, that therapist is going to take you into your past to the point where the trauma originally occurred. And they're probably going to expose your mental system to that trauma to the point where you become numb. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, don't do that. Don't do that. The reason why I'm saying don't do that is because it, you will become mentally numb to the trauma, but your body is then holding it all. Absolutely. That's been completely my experience, completely. It's, yeah, is that why breathwork is so different and so useful? Is because I was going to ask for most people they haven't heard of that. What does breathwork yes. do? Sort of how, what, what yes, well, the the combination of coaching and breathwork, um, I've found particularly useful for for PTSD. Um, one of my clients reacted to trauma by going to drugs in order to try and numb it and hide it. Um, He didn't have any therapy or anything like that. But when he came out of that drug addled state and decided that he wanted to go, you know, clean with it, um, I coached him as part of my practicum um, and I'm still doing regular breath work with him. This and now the the coaching side um, allows him to understand how the trauma is affecting him today not in the past, in this moment. And the breath work allows him to be in this moment, in this body. And that's one of the mantras that I have given him. So that when he is triggered, when someone does poke that trauma with a stick, yeah, he can literally just take a deep breath. And on the inhale, he says in his head, in this moment. And as he exhales, he says in his head, 
in this body, in this moment, in this body, in this moment, in this body. And by repeating that, he is allowing his mind and his nervous system to connect with his body so that they can share the trigger. You know, all those things that our grandparents used to say, things like, you know, a problem shared is a problem halved. So, so true. Because if you, if you, Catherine, can share the trauma trigger with a husband or a girlfriend, then in that moment, the trauma is halved. The stress response is halved. If you can continue to share with a coach or share with your body, again, you're reducing and reducing and reducing the stress that is caused by that stressor. The stressor being the idiot with the stick. I, I, I don't know. I had a couple of thoughts during that as whether or not it's similar to therapy that I've done. And I don't know if it is. I think it might be a little dissimilar. When you were saying in this moment, in this body, kind of reminded me of grounding techniques or an anchor that I've been told mm -hmm. to use previously. Like you are not there. You're not in that place anymore. You are here. You are safe. Yep. But then I think it isn't necessarily, I mean, clearly that's the cause of my PTSD, but it isn't that particular incident that's firing me, firing my amygdala at that time. So it, the, the kind of connecting my brain and body's feelings is something I think that's new to me that I haven't, haven't actually heard before because it's all been about, but you're not in that place anymore. You're not there, you're safe. Mm -hmm. You think, well, it's actually not that that's causing these feelings it's a totally separate incident that's happened but it's it's having the same reaction because of the trauma that I've been through does that mm. make sense yes it makes perfect sense and the reason why um, this emotional health coaching is different is that instead of taking you to that place of trauma and saying you are not there I'm not going to take you to that place of trauma you don't even need to tell me what that traumatic event or traumatic events, or series of traumatic incidents, yeah, what, whatever it is. I, I'm, it's not that I'm not interested. It's, the, it's not relevant. Yeah? What is relevant is, is the fact that that trauma has been stored within your body, and it's also stored in what I would refer to as parts. Within your, within your body and within your lifetime, Whenever an emotional need is not met, there's a little part of you that's frozen in time because your brain and your nervous system, yeah, can't cope with a need not being met. So it kind of picks it up and parks it. So say that moment when you know, as, as a child, you reach up to your mum who's doing the washing up for a hug because you've just had an argument with your sister. It's just a moment. Your mum says, not now, I'm busy. So say, for instance, the child reacts by going into one and screaming to get the mother's attention. That is the way that child in her body in that moment has discovered a way to get her need met. Yeah? The need is a simple, I just want a hug. I'm a kid. I just want connection. I just want a hug. By having that need denied her, she has created a protector, a persona that comes online to say, I know how to get attention, I'm going to scream. So what I would do in coaching is I would explore with you the, co the coping mechanisms that come online when you are triggered and when you're, you're post-traumatic stressor, yeah, when that is poked with a stick. If you'd had that experience as a child, it may be 
that you're upset by drama online or some idiot driver, yeah? And your response is you scream abuse at that driver, yeah? Or you might, you know, phone Claire up and go, you wouldn't just believe what happened. That reaction, yeah, is that, I can see, sorry, Claire's in hysterics. This is obviously what I do. This is what I do. Okay, so so I'm so I'm describing then her part, her protector is one that screams and yells and makes a scene. Yeah. So what I would do in coaching is I'd say to you, Catherine, okay, we have this part, we have this unmet need. The unmet need is for comfort and safety. Yeah. Your protector comes online and screams and yells and definitely goes into one. Does that protector meet that need? Does that protector get you the comfort and safety that you actually need in that moment? And no, if it does, it's not effective. <laughs> okay, so it's not effective. And you know what? 99 times out of 100, when I ask this question about the protector, the, the need is not being met in the moment. So I would literally talk you through ways of meeting that need from your adult, evolved, grown-up woman. Not the child who needs a hug that started screaming. But how would you get that need met now in your present and in your future? I think that's a bit similar to when we did a bit of work because I I know I laughed, but I do the same thing. So that's why I laugh Mm -hmm. as well, because I am the person that will leave a ranty 20 minute WhatsApp map going, oh, my God, you won't believe what has happened to me. Um, Mm -hmm. But. I remember in one of our sessions, you you tried to get me to look. It was almost taking it back to was it prehistoric times? I can't remember not prehistoric, but you know, uh, caveman well, yeah, times. Stone age, Stone age stuff. Stone age. That's yeah. the one. I'm not I'm not good with my history, but um, you got me to think about where does does that come from? The this big response I'd have is it survival response and and looking mm. at that with little things like arguments with family or me getting triggered mm. when I'm trying to talk to my child and snapping it in when really I shouldn't and and is that the same thing is that connected with what you were just talking about or is that a different it is, thing that you it is connected the the reason why I approached it as a as a singular thing with with Catherine um, is because to to specifically address her post-traumatic stressor that becomes poked by a stick that makes her tearful and upset so that's why I would I would ask Catherine I mean you don't have to do it on this podcast of course you don't um but to just just think how you could get that need met now I approached it slightly differently with you Claire because you were not just reacting to a person with a stick you were you were reacting over and over and over with so many different people and so many different sticks. And it was almost like you were being, you know, whacked from every direction by a stick. So I asked you in in your session to think to yourself, is this affecting something more primal? And by primal, I mean, you know, way back in Stone Ages when we were all, you know, living in camps and caves and all this kind of stuff, you had to be part of a tribe in order to survive. To be outside that tribe, tribe literally, literally, not figuratively, literally meant your death. Yeah. So if you couldn't get on with the people that you were in a cave with, they would make you sit outside. You would be excluded from that group. And that's when the saber-toothed tiger in the early hours of the morning or just as dusk is falling wanders into your camp and eats you. Because your triggers were so continuous, 
I asked you to look back in that way as to whether or not this was a survival trigger or a some other kind of trigger. Because being part of your little tribe, you know, the, the tribe that lives in your house right now, yeah, that that tribe is where your stressors are coming from. And I asked you to look at it in terms of is this a primal survival trigger or is this a present day potentially trauma reaction? And that's why I went that slightly different way with you. Mm. I think when I first found out about your work, I know you were sort of advertising while you were training that you wanted people to try breath work. And I thought, okay, it might relax me. But I didn't realise until I started talking to you that it's way more than just something to do to relax yourself, isn't it? I think when I had to fill the form in with you, it was asking about, you know, uh, traumas, abuse, things like that. And it was interesting to read that it can be really helpful for people that have gone through some sort of abusive trauma whether that's in childhood or adulthood whether it's sexual abuse domestic violence and I thought I wanted to sort of ask you what the the act of breathing in certain ways how that can help those sort of really deep types of abuse the simple answer to that and I'm I'm going to give you the complicated one as well but the simple answer is that in connecting with your body the trauma that is stored within your body feels heard and seen those parts of you that have been frozen in time at the moment of abuse where a need wasn't met or when um, a need was ignored and overstepped so in the example of any kind of child abuse, for instance, that child has a need to be supported, comforted, kept safe. And if there is abuse, whether that's being yelled at, being ignored or or actual physical abuse, those basic needs of that child to grow and to develop are not being met. So that's kind of the the simple idea is that when those needs are not met that trauma is stored within the body and breath work enables you to unhook your mind and just be in your beingness in that moment just breathing and allowing your body giving your body the opportunity to process those feelings a lot of what we're taught to do especially in the English society or should I say the English speaking society because it's the same in America is that whole sort of you know, just just ignore it. You know, just, just just a little example. Then um, I uh, when when I was bullied at school, I was I was told by my parents, you know, just ignore them. They're jealous of you. No, you can't ignore it. You have to feel it. And this is where we get into the more complex explanation of how breathwork works. Your whole beingness operates in three levels. You have your structured mind where all of the true, false, black, white, all of that kind of, you know, the the judgment and the chaos is held. Then there's the soft mind, which is kind of the, the feeling you get after a really good yoga class. And the reason why you feel that way is because your structured mind has been let go and you just have your nervous system and your body and your calm. And you're walking out of that yoga studio connected to your body. The lowest state is what we call embodied awareness, where you completely let go of the structured mind. So you're not thinking about the state of the kitchen or what time you've got to pick up your children from school. In those moments of of breath work, 
um, with you, Claire. I took you to a place where you were not thinking about all of the thinking that you have to do. There was just you and your body and the breath. Breath work is like meditation without the effort. When you do kind of meditation, you're, you're kind of required by a lot of people to, to empty your mind. That's a load of rubbish, really is, because nobody's mind can be completely empty. And the reason why breath work works is because all you are thinking of is following the breath pattern, connection to the body, breathe in, hold, breathe out, hold, you know, pace yourself. The reason why, you know, we can control our breath is literally to enable us to survive. So when you're relaxed, you breathe deeply and calmly. If you're walking through the wilderness and you think you hear a tiger, you don't go, <sighs> you go, because <sighs> you want to fuel your body ready for fight or flight without making a lot of noise. So your breathing becomes rapid, becomes shallow. I mean, if I could just quickly do, a, do an exercise with you and your listeners. Right? I'm going to ask, actually, if you would. <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll just do a... I'll, I'll just do a really short one at this point, yeah? And, and Catherine, if you can remember the last time that you were triggered, yeah? Just, just recall that moment where something icky happened, any kind of icky. Doesn't, doesn't okay, matter. I've got another just one. Once. I've got one okay. that made me really mad. <laughs> okay, so just recall that moment. Have it in your mind, yeah? And then if you lean back, Catherine, so your body's supported, and the breath pattern is going to be breathing in for the count of four, holding for the count of four, and then exhaling really slowly for the count of eight. I will be breathing with you. And we'll go through that, say, five times. So when you're ready, just allow your eyes to fall closed and relax your physical body. Maybe wiggle your physical body a little bit just to settle into that relaxation. <laughs> And then just follow me. Breathe in for the count of four through your nose. In, two, three, four. Hold, two, three, four. Out through your mouth. Two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. In through the nose. Three, four. Hold, two, three, four. Slowly out your mouth. Five. Six, seven, eight. In through the nose. Hold. Two, three, four. Out for eight. Three, four, five, six, seven, eight. And just relax. Let that pattern go. Open your eyes, look around, see the colours and the shapes around you. And I'm going to ask you, Catherine, how do you feel? I didn't think about the thing at all. It was kind of like a, it's going to sound really weird, but just like a really nice, warm, yellow colour behind my eyes while I was doing it and nothing else was in my head. That's why breath work works. Because your That's body, in, 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 that, in that, I mean, that, how long will we be doing that? I don't know, 30 seconds? Can you imagine the difference in how your body could hold, process and release trauma and stress if we were breathing together for an hour. Wow. That's what I was doing with Claire. 
Um, would you like to share something about your experience of breathwork sessions with me, Claire? Yeah, I could do. Um, I think what I remember was when I first started doing it, I couldn't I couldn't do much of the breathing for very long. I struggled. I, I didn't breathe very deeply, did I? Um, mm. It was very shallow breathing because I'm not used to breathing deeply, um, which would coincide with someone with anxiety, wouldn't it, really? Um, so, but I, I, I really like it. I like that the different breathing patterns. There was one pattern I didn't like. I think that was when you just told me to do it as I felt and I was like I don't know how I feel how do I want to feel I don't how do I breathe what do I do I don't I didn't like that but I like to be mm -hmm. directed um and I've done a variety so I've done some on my own I did some with my partner I didn't we were laid on the bed and, and you we were doing that with you and that was really lovely because it was really good to help us connect with each other um and I've even done some with my little boy um shorter sessions mm -hmm. And that was interesting. And it was really nice of a way of us connecting as well. So I think to connect with people, it's lovely as well. And um, I do remember you sort of explained to me before that some people get, while they're doing it, they just get these surges of emotion and, and things come out. And I was really mm -hmm. wanting that because I want to deal with some trauma. And I think it's very much in my body, hence why some of the chronic pain I have and things like that. And I was like, I really want to get that out. But that didn't happen yet. <laughs> but um I don't know if that's because I'm always too conscious of things like the dog barking or I don't know. It's, it's really hard to, but I really do enjoy it when I do it. I haven't done it for a little while, but I do find it. I sort of feel very calm after and mm. almost like I could have a little sleep. Um, but it's trying mm. to try to bring that into daily life, really. So trying to remember to do a bit of that when you're really getting triggered. But that's the bit I still very much a work in progress on and I suppose for me with yeah. childhood abuse and stuff I do wonder how that could potentially help me if I carried on um, and even sort of how it for me I'm interested in how trauma is stored in the body um, mm -hmm. I think I've seen sometimes on, on tv and stuff even Grey's Anatomy which I love there was a season where a, a, an ex-doctor who who was on the field he he had a lot of huge PTSD and he went to this therapist. I know it's a fake program, but it was based on stuff. And and mm. they noticed that he, he held the trauma in one of his arms. It was really bizarre. And they did a few little exercises with yeah. his arm and it completely like suddenly he was just breaking down and he was just he was in floods of tears after years of just never coping with the trauma he saw in the battlefields and stuff. And I Absolutely. found that really, really interesting. I don't know if you've experience that or if, if breath work is something that can help with that or not I don't know yes yes and yes absolutely um if I can refer back to that client I was talking to about earlier that that young man with the history of of drugs he he held his trauma in his hands so whenever we got deep into breath work his hands would twitch and at the end of a breath work session he would say things to me like I feel like I can feel my hands for the first time in years and he'd been told by you know conventional medicine bless him that the numbness in his hands was being caused by nerve damage from his injection sites now if that was true why would he get completely warm tingly feelings when we were doing breath work why would it be different during breath work? 
And he concluded, it wasn't me that concluded, he concluded that his trauma was held in his hands because whenever he was defending himself, it was his hands that came up first to protect himself. So breathwork for him, um, I think we did four, we only did four sessions together because he was he was late to the party in my in my practicum, as it were. Um, he felt that, you know, if, every time he did breath work, he got closer to unblocking his hands and enabling his hands to become part of his body again. And I know that sounds a bit woo-woo, but, but the, the thing is with connecting to your body is that your body can't communicate with you with words. It uses sensations to communicate with you. I mean, I'm sure everybody listening can remember a point in their childhood where they felt really nervous, maybe before they went on stage to do the nativity play or speak in front of the class, read something out loud, you know, all those kind of that, that kind of nervous feeling. Now, a lot of feeling, a lot of people feel that nervous feeling in their solar plexus, top of their belly over their stomach and it feels fluttery like butterflies yeah that is that's not your body saying i'm scared yeah that's your body saying i'm excited but at some point we're told oh don't worry about your butterflies you're just a little bit nervous can you imagine how different our lives would be if our parents and teachers and caregivers told us wow you've got butterflies that's so exciting they're going to help you. They're going to support you. Yeah. Can you imagine how different our lives would be if that nervous feeling in our stomach was seen as excitement and readiness and not something to be afraid of? So it's that social conditioning to feel like the, just the name we, we put on something alters our the mental reaction to it. That's mm. really, there's actually, um, and it keeps coming up and I haven't bought it yet because it will just sit in a big pile of books next to my bed. But there's a book you probably heard of um, called The Body Keeps the Score. No, um, I, I was literally, I don't know if you noticed, but I was reaching over to it. Oh, no, I didn't. Oh, how funny. Yeah, this is all, this is, this is, an, I've only read this kind of press even what other people have said, but that, that they've said that that is fantastic and it really yeah. is. An another good, is. another good one is this one. Gaber Mertach. Oh, when the body says no, I've not heard of that when one. The body says no. That's that's a good one as well. But I mean, when it when it comes to books that I've got to read, I too have got a pile of books. But the one I'm reading at the moment um, is this one. Unbeep yourself. <laughs> yes, unbeep yourself. It's you know U N F star C K. Yeah, and and this chap Gary John Bishop basically takes all of the fears and history and social conditioning and stuff and says it's all bs all of it it's all social conditioning you have been effed up by society so this book will help you uneff yourself i think i need that book it's right up my street we haven't we've never discussed the swearing issue on this show because i'm quite a liberal swearer as is claire and we've just never really done it i don't know why <laughs> So, um, so I just, I, I played it safe with unbeat myself, but I do need to be unbeat, definitely. <laughs> <laughs> but the thing is, I, oh, I feel called to tell you this funny little story about um, my son, uh, my stepson. He was about nine and he'd been sent home with a letter from school um, because he had been using inappropriate language in the classroom. 
And I said, OK, David, you're going to have to explain to me what exactly is inappropriate language in, in the classroom and, and why did you do it? I mean, what was that about? And he goes, well, I was told to stand up, to go to the front of the class to read something. And as I spun round in the chair, I whacked my knee on the side of the, on the, side of the table and sat there for a minute rubbing my knee going... F, 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 that hurts. And we had this long discussion about what makes a word a swear word. <laughs> and this has got nothing to do with coaching or breath work, but this is, this is just the way my mind works and why I felt called to, to train as a coach and train as a facilitator is so that yeah, there's, a, there's a framework for all of them. And we, d- we discussed how the word shit, for instance, yeah, now, shit is another word for what you do in the morning when you go to the bathroom and it makes a big splash in the toilet, yeah? <laughs> if, you, if you trip over something or bang your knee on something and go, oh, shit. In my head, that's not swearing. But if I were to stand over you, Catherine, and point my finger at you and call you a useless little shit, yeah? That's swearing. Oh, certainly that's swearing. And I can I could use any word in that sentence and it would be swearing. If I called you a useless, insignificant squirrel, yeah? That word, squirrel, yeah, is a swear word in that sentence. It's all about the meaning, isn't it? And what your intent. Yeah, for... It's the intention. Yeah. And this is what I was trying to explain to, to David is that his teacher didn't understand that him rubbing his knee and using that F word over and over again was actually enabling his nervous system to downregulate the pain so that he could then stand up in front of the class and read. That's what that's that's what that word was doing. This is, I'm really big, I know we've gone off on a tangent, but I love it. I'm really big on language and the power of language. And I think swear words absolutely have a place in society. I really do. And I think totally, like, totally. I mean, can you can you imagine fear of them is irrational? I, I agree completely. And um, I I was once given an example in my training of, you know, imagine a husband and wife arguing, right? The both of them are brought up and conditioned by, say, Baptists who are very, very anti-cursing. Yeah, um, they don't even call them swear words; they call them curse words because they believe that there is something, you know, cursive going on, literally. But if you imagine that argument, imagine either the husband or the wife being unable to express their frustration with a situation. Yeah, the wife might pick up a glass and hurl it at her husband yeah the husband might backhand her across the face the violence becomes expressed by the body when that expression cannot be done any other way we're going back to this you know the the parts and the needs being met both of those people in that argument have a need to express themselves and because they've been conditioned that they can't use f words and b words and c words and z words whatever flipping initial you want to come up with yeah because they can't express their feelings fully they turn to violence physical violence but that again that's a disconnect isn't it between the body and the mind and it's social conditioning yeah How absolutely you- that's all about what what my coaching is about what my breath work is all about it's to do with um, reconnecting to that one being that you can always count on. 
because you know Catherine and, and Claire you no matter what goes on in your life your body is there for you your body enables you to walk out of the room if it gets too much if you were a disembodied brain in a jar right having an argument with someone you cannot stand up walk out yeah? your body is your best friend and what my coaching and breathwork is all about is that is that reconnecting to your best friend reconnecting to that being that you can always rely on i think this might be absolutely key to what i'm going wrong in inverted commas um what I do, when, when you're saying it's like an unmet need and you need, how else can you meet that need my only way and i have a friend who's very similar to me um and we discuss it a lot we need ex- we seek external validation constantly because I mean, my unmet need is this need to be seen and validated. And Uh I cannot self-validate. I seek it from external sources constantly, constantly, constantly. And it can lead to some quite uh, unhealthy dynamics. Um, How? How do I? So it's how do I meet that need myself? Everybody's different. Everybody's experience is different. If I was in a coaching environment with you, we would explore together where that unmet need was first unmet. This may be a point in your childhood, might have nothing to do with the, the, with the trauma that has resulted in, in your PTSD. Right. So we take a look back and find where that unmet need first was unmet. Then we'd look at that coping strategy. Yeah. The child screaming to get attention. and then we would literally zoom right up to date and I would say to you, okay, you've got this protector, which is screaming and yelling and wants to be seen and wants to be heard. And I would ask you, how can you meet that unmet need? Now, the conversation that would follow on from that question would be a backwards and forwards between you and me that would probably start with you saying, but I don't know. That's why I'm asking you. You don't know in your head because your head is not where this is stored. We need to ask your body. So in um, a coaching situation or in a, in a breathwork situation either, I would connect you back to your body so that your body can give you sensations that will give you clues to whether something is a yes, whether something is a no. So it's, it's kind of difficult for me to, to sort of say to you, yeah, this is how it would go because it all depends on you. I might employ some tools like um, mirror gazing, for instance, just sitting in front of a mirror, looking at your own face. That's my worst nightmare. Going to the hairdressers is an uncomfortable experience for me, but you just sit for three hours mm. in front of a mirror. I hate it. <laughs> okay. I'm trying to avoid going too deep into coaching literal literal coaching questions but Mm -hmm. the fact that you find that uncomfortable is actually an indicator of how disconnected you are from your body and from your physical container that you walk around in yeah i don't like looking at it much (laughs) i like it sounds like yeah you find it hard the the difficult thing Mm -hmm. the difficult one of my my one of my life mottos at the moment is i just did a hard thing because once you've done a hard thing you can do another hard thing. And once you've done two hard things, you can do a third and a fourth and a fifth and a sixth. And by the time you've done a hundred hard things, 
the next time a hard thing turns up, it's like, yeah, no problem. I can do this because I've got that evidence. So where I would go with you, Catherine, in a coaching session is I would I would ask you maybe, you know, if looking in a mirror is, is too difficult, I would start you off by getting a white sheet of paper, a big sheet, you know, A3 size, big sheet of paper, putting it out on a table in front of you and putting your left hand on that piece of paper and just look at it. Look at the, you know, the, the rough skin around your nails. Look at the, look at the rings. Look at the, the wrinkles around your knuckles. Maybe there's a couple of scars on your fingers where you've cut yourself. Turn that hand over, look at the palm, look at all the lines and, and slowly like close your palm so that you can see where those lines form movement, where, where the skin on your knuckles stretches, where the skin on the inside folds and creases to allow your finger to bend. And explore that hand because that left hand is the hand that you hold with, the hand that you receive with, assuming you're right-handed. Yeah. <laughs> your yeah. right, right hand would be the hand that you give with, the hand that you communicate with, the hand that you write with. Yeah? Yeah. But as I, I, I know your, your listeners are not going to see the picture, but what Catherine's doing right now at the moment is she's got her elbow rested on something and she's holding her head in her hand. That connection with her hand is giving her support, not just physical support, but it's actually her body saying, I've got you. And she probably doesn't even realise that's what's going on. I hadn't ever considered that. I hadn't ever considered it. But I am quite, you mentioned earlier, you're a, you're a fiddler. I think off when we weren't recording, I am constantly, when I do, because um, Claire and I met through Instagram, when I do Instagram stories, I watch them and I am constantly fiddling with my hair, constantly, <laughs> constantly. And, if, you were, if you were to try and think in the future then that, that fiddling with your hair, yeah, is your body comforting you? Is your body supporting you? Mm -hmm. Is your body holding you? Yeah. yeah, that's that's really interesting. That's really interesting. It's funny because, um, it's again, it's going off on a tangent a little bit. Earlier in the year, I had um, someone from my past who'd kind of seen me on Instagram was coming up and he kept messaging me. <laughs> Um, some quite messages. Some of the messages made me quite uncomfortable. He was like, "I love the way you always play with your hair," and I was like, "Don't, I don't, I, I don't, I'm not playing with my hair to be some seductress on Instagram. It is like a, it's like a, it's totally involuntary. I don't think about it. I just, and when I look back at those stories, I, I constantly, constantly am playing with my hair, and it is probably a comfort thing because I'm not feeling confident in front of the camera. Well, it is a comfort thing." I'm here to tell you to remove that uncertainty. That's your body helping you to feel safe while you're doing the hard thing. Yeah. And then it gets things that are kind of unsafe. It results in things that are unsafe to me. <laughs> Someone going, oh, you're, you're so seductive playing with your hair. And I'm like, no. Yeah, well, you know what? That's, <laughs> that says a lot more about him than it does about oh, you. Oh, yeah. Oh, because yeah, what, yeah. what you're doing is you're comforting yourself. You know, you're, you're preening yourself. What he's doing is he's projecting onto you what he thinks you're doing. Yeah, I have to not worry then about how I, how I present to other people. Yeah, disconnect from it. Mm -hmm. What's important is you, your body, 
and then everything else. So it's almost like you're trying to turn something that you think, oh, I don't like the way I do that, actually looking and going, do you know what, it's actually to help me. So seeing it, reframing it and seeing it as a positive thing that you're trying to soothe yourself, isn't it? Um, Yeah, reframing is a great word because it enables you to take something that that you do that you you think one thing of to to reframe it into something else mm-hmm. and that's what i'd like you to do catherine when you when you are you know supporting yourself physically you know with your left hand under your chin as you are now yeah that is literally your body trying to connect with you really interesting this, that isn't is, it? it is so interesting it is so interesting it's, it's eye-opening mm. and i guess what i would say is um obviously aware that we've been talking to you for a while Tanya you've probably got clients but what if people are listening and going oh I want to try that or I want to have a look into that I mean obviously at the moment you're doing a lot of online so anywhere in the world people can connect with you how would they find how would they find you well I'm on Facebook because I am of that generation where Facebook is the thing I still haven't got into Instagram people keep saying I'm doing Instagram um so people can find me just by searching for my name, Tanya Swarbrick, on Facebook. I've got uh, a group page as well, which um, is called Integrated You. Um, but if you reach out to me personally on Facebook, I can I can add you to that group. At the moment, the group is private, but I'm trying to figure out a way of making it more searchable for. Um, but the, I suppose the best way to, to find out about me, um, what I do, read some testimonials, look at my blog, all that kind of stuff is via my website, um, which Claire will attach to this. But it's normal www.integratedhuman.co.uk. Brilliant. Um, yes, we will put all the details and the links to those in Facebook as well in the um, show notes. Thank you so much for coming. It was really interesting to hear a lot more about breath work. Um, I think it's quite useful. Well, thank you for having me. And I, I want this, what we've been trying to do is is finish on sort of asking people what their sort of current mantra is or something. But I guess with you, I wondered if there was a short, I don't know, couple of minutes exercise um, that people could try that, I don't know, some sort of little breath work tester as a way of ending. I don't know how you feel. Yeah, sure, sure. Um, my My mantra... Um, has been for a long time um, in this moment, in this body, in this moment, in this body. It enables me to live from the moment, not from my history or from my fears of the future. When you launch a business, there's all kinds of fears and worries, everything from getting insurance and legal documents up to actually delivering to a client. But I'm not interested in those fears. That's kind of for a future version of me to sort out. Yeah. Because right now, I'm in this moment, in this body. There is nothing else going in my, going on in my life right now other than this conversation. So for a um a breathwork thing, um, yeah, I know what we'll do. I know what we'll do. We'll do um a focus energizer, right? This exercise is particularly good before you do things like go to a job interview, before you sit an exam. Yeah, something to to connect you and to just energize, wake you up. Um, My neighbor used to do it at the beginning, in the middle 
and at the end of her study periods while she was studying to be a dental nurse and she passed all of her exams. Whoop, whoop. Uh, I do this by waving my hands around, which is not going to work on a pod. So I will try and use voice cues as well. Um, but to start with, we are going to breathe in and out of our nose rapidly like this. Yeah. Then we will change to our mouths where we'll breathe in and out rapidly. And then there'll be long inhales through the nose and a long exhale through the mouth. Um, to cut a bit of time, what I usually suggest to people is that we go 50, 50, 10. But for this, we'll go 30, 35. So it's 30 times in and out. So I will start breathing with you. Don't worry about the counting. I will do the counting. Yeah. So is everybody ready? So start with in and out through your nose rapidly. Yeah. <laughs> 17, 18, 19, 20. Keep going. Keep going. Keep going. Big breath in. And then in and out through your mouth rapidly. <laughs> breath in through the nose and out and then in through the nose and out through the mouth in through the nose out through the mouth one more time in through the nose and out through the mouth and then back to the nose breathing ready Have to change over in through the mouth. Big breath in through the nose, out through the mouth, and another in through the nose, out through the mouth, in through the nose. Out through the mouth. One more time. In through the nose. Out through the mouth. And then go back to the nose breathing for the last set. Big breaths for the changeover. In and out through the mouth. Change over again, in through the nose, out through the mouth, in through the nose, out through the mouth, in through the nose. Start to make your exhales longer, out through the mouth, in through the nose, in, slowly out through the mouth until you're truly empty, rapidly in through the nose, Slowly out through the mouth. Last time in through the nose. 
long and slow through the mouth, all the way until you're empty. Return to the natural breath that your body wants to do. Your body knows how to breathe. Your body knows when to breathe. Your mind does not need to control your breathing. You are in this body, in this moment, in this moment, in this body. Thank you for having me. Oh, thank you very much for coming on. And if anyone's got any questions, they can always send us a message and we can pass it on. Or as we said, we're going to put all of your details in our show notes. And we're all psyched up for the day now. Yeah, it's a good way of motivating, isn't it? Mm-hmm. thank you very much you're very thank welcome you. bye bye if you've liked this episode please help us out by liking subscribing and leaving us a review as this helps us to reach more people if you have ideas about future episodes or any questions or feedback please get in touch via the website mindvox.co.uk or via socials at mindvoxpod on instagram facebook and twitter or you can email us on hello at mindvox.co.uk